You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, it's not that there aren't a few things that we can talk about, but um, I kind of got, would you get out of my face? I accidentally clicked on something. My computer's like, oh, you want to load this software? You want to, should we record a video? Are we live streaming to YouTube? No, dude, I don't need this in my faces. Get out of here. But um, yesterday on the tweeters, Andy over at Andy A. Pack did a mock draft and started thinking, this is something Pack Daddy would like. So he tweeted at me and showed it to me and he's right. It's solid. And so then I basically retweeted it and I'm like, all right, I got an idea. Why don't you respond to this tweet with a mock draft that I'm either going to love or hate? And I will sift through them and I will announce the winner of who did the mock that I would like the most and who did the mock I would like the least. And a lot of people responded to it. And so I thought, um, I think maybe I'll, I'll go through this kind of live and we can kind of go through it together because it's kind of a lot and it would be interesting. And then I realized I'm kind of just taking JJ's idea right now with the whole grading your mock thing. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to give them grades. I'm, I'm really just using it as an excuse to talk about the prospects, kind of talk through where I'm at with them, which by the way, most of the guys we're going to talk about, I have zero opinion on, or, or at least a very minor opinion, because as much as I've been saying, you know, it's kind of, kind of too bad that we spend so much time just talking about the first round, maybe a little bit about the second round and like 1% about the third round and nothing beyond that. With the exception of like, oh, there's this one guy that I like or whatever, you know, Alex Wright. We talked about Alex Wright. He's probably not even a third round pick at this point. Who knows? And there's, I mean, there's a lot of those long shots could end up going pretty late, but the point is it, it's really just going to be an opportunity and I, it's going to be hard to pick a winner. I, I don't know. And, and the other thing I'm scared of is I'm going to pick the winner of who did the worst mock and it's somebody that really just wanted to show me their best mock. <laughs> so, um, I don't know, but, um, I, I just thought it would be a very fruitful exercise and a great way to kind of, uh, go through and just talk these things through, you know, I mean, I, again, I'll give my opinion, but considering my opinion isn't worth a ton, it's really just a great opportunity to kind of go through based on my sheet, which again, the ranking and the grades and all that, this is still very preliminary and um, I didn't even send myself, so I don't have my... I did running back and offensive line. Everything's done except quarterback, but I, I don't have it with me right now, so we can't even do that. But um, the the important thing about my my grades at this point is it really is just a great way to visualize a lot of these things, right? So, for example, when you look at safety, not only can I see their overall grade, but it, it shows you why. So I've got their RAS 
their their tackling ability, their coverage ability, a, a ton of different stats, right? Forced incompletion, snaps for target, snaps for reception, passer rating, coverage grade, run defense grade, defensive grade, um, the school they went to, where they rank, all these different things are 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 just right here. And I've even got it color coded, so it's very easy to see the 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 highs and the lows, the greens, the yellows, and the reds. So it just it paints a really solid picture. And since it's Saturday, I, I know I'm going to get lost um, watching a lot of these guys on YouTube, at least for a little bit, so I can get a very brief um, feel for the prospect, what they do, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know how far I'm going to take this, because just with my ability to ramble as it is, we're going to struggle to get through even like three of these. But I'm going to try to be as concise as is humanly possible to, um, to rip through these and, uh, again, just cover as much ground as we can talking about as many guys as we can, and, and we'll, we'll see where it leads. But why don't we start right away with what Andy's mock was? Because again, this whole thing started because Andy said, here is a mock that Pack Daddy would like. So he started off, and, and here's the thing. I didn't put in the criteria realism. So I'm really not going to comment too much on it other than, let's be honest, probably I don't think it'll happen. And really, that's only a criteria in the first, probably first two rounds. After that, we have no idea. But he does have Trevor Penning falling all the way to 22. And again, this is the whole, he it, he just happened to fall, so he picked him. And then Devontae Wyatt, who was his second pick at 28, happened to fall to 28, and he did that. And then he's like, all right, let's just see what we can do with this now. But yeah, that, I, I don't think, and again, as far as realism is concerned, um, probably not. And yes, I understand Devontae Wyatt and his issues with age and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know that there's anything that could happen that would get me too much more excited. And, and yes, I'm the only Packer fan on planet Earth because everybody else wants at least one wide receiver. But if we got Trevor Penning and then Devontae Wyatt, I, I, I'm going to lose it. I'm just, I'm going to absolutely lose my mind. By the way, I, I want to say something about the Devontae Wyatt thing because I think the age thing gets, and again, I'm, I'm not saying that it's not important. You obviously get less production from a guy who's older. There, there also is data to show that... Um, Older people generally have, I mean, not even just based on the amount of years, but on a per year basis, they don't produce as much generally. Maybe that just has to do with, you know, molding guys when they're younger or something. I don't know. But for for plenty of reasons, it doesn't make sense. But I, I want you to real quick, just square that with the idea of going out and getting DK Metcalf for a ton of draft capital and, you know, 20 some odd million dollars a year. Because DK Metcalf is about the same age, which I know at, on first at first glance does not make it seem great, right? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? But think about it. You're willing to go out and get a 24-year-old, and you're willing to pay a heck of a lot more. I mean, you would give up that same first-round pick, right? 28 for DK Metcalf, who's the same age, but would, uh, would, would ultimately cost way more. Or it's just a one-year rental. Either way, what are we talking about? The only difference is we know how good he is, Right? If we gave up pick 28 for DK Metcalf, who is the same age, you'd be okay with that. So we can use pick 28 on a 24-year-old so long as he's really, really expensive, but proven. In fact, there are 30-year-olds that some people would be willing to give up that first round pick for. So I don't know that I've, and again, I know it's not exactly the same thing, but if we're really just talking about it's okay as long as they're talented enough, that's what I'm telling you. That's exactly what I'm telling you. It's not a good thing. It's, it's similar to being too small or too big or too slow, right? There, there are issues with it that, that are red flags that say this is not a great sign for them being a, a good long-term producer for our team, which is what we're looking for. 
But there's also a point at which your evaluation says, this guy's so good, it's worth the risk, right? I mean, we're talking about a a maybe 50% hit rate anyways. So if Devontae Wyatt, if you're looking at your first round prospects at at 28 and you've got a bunch of second round grades and Devontae Wyatt is the only guy that's a first round grade, then he is like 15 overall on your board. And it's very blatantly obvious. The only reason he's fallen anywhere near this far is because of his age. And by the way, DK Metcalf, any of these guys being quote unquote proven doesn't mean anything. We have seen year, it's amazing to me how many, how many people that follow football as closely as they do pretend that they don't watch football at all. How many times have you seen proven talent go off and suck with their next team? It happens more often than it doesn't happen. It happens all the time. So you don't have a 100% chance of, of DK, and I'm just using DK because it makes the most sense. It's the same age, the one guy everybody be willing to give up pick 28 for. It's, it's probably the most hyped you know, prospect as far as going out and getting somebody that can be a true number one. But I, I guess I just wanted people to, to think about it from that perspective because everyone is so far down the never, ever, ever under any circumstance do that train. And I just want to jive that with the, the feeling that we could also use that pick for DK Metcalf. And, and again, the only difference is we know he's good. Right. So what you're saying is it depends on the talent. Well, duh. That's why you have a first round, second round, third round, fourth round. And you don't grab seventh round prospects in the first round because you only want to use that first round um, pick on somebody that you think is worth that first round pick. Whether that be a DK Metcalf who has positives and negatives. Hilariously, his age is actually a positive. 24 years old, he's really young. We could have him for a long time. That's the way we'd phrase it if it's DK Metcalf. But if it's a draft prospect, it's as though he has three years until he dies of old age. So again, it's not that there's nothing to this, but I really feel like a lot of people haven't fully thought this through and it gets to the point of being kind of silly. It's much better to go out and get a 20, 21, 22-year-old prospect. No question. But it's not exactly that black and white. And um, again, if you're all the way out on Devontae Wyatt because he's 24, you better not be talking about DK Metcalf. Why would you use a first-round pick on a 24-year-old? Makes no sense. And again, don't talk to me about proven talent because then we go back to evaluation of talent and what they could bring to us. So age isn't the only factor. You have to bring into that equation how good are they. I know. That's what I'm saying. He's good. By the way, some people out there want to give up like a second-round pick for Tyler Lockett. Dude is 29. Could you imagine if we drafted a 29-year-old with the second overall pick? That would be stupid. So why are we going out using a second-round pick on Tyler Lockett? Because he's proven. Yeah, he, he's proven that he was pretty good a couple years ago with Seattle. What are you talking about? You're, you're saying he's proven in 2022 with the Green Bay Packers? Is that proven? Or is that a theory? Do you see what I mean, by the way, about not being able to stay on task and get through this? Again, it's just perspective. It's just a different way to look at it. And it's something for you to kind of refine your thoughts. If you're all the way out on 24-year-olds, fine. But really use that as a way to kind of refine what it is exactly you're talking about. So again, Trevor Penning, Devontae Wyatt, I don't care. I'm doing backflips. He follows it up with pick 53 and George Pickens. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because I was very, very big on George Pickens. And as more and more people are getting in on George Pickens, I find myself just being, because this is just how I am. I'm the exact opposite. This is why I suck on social media, because social media is all about like, what is the group doing? And then I'm going to do it too, like trying to be with the trendy stuff. And I just, I'm not, I'm not built that way. When I see something that I like become trendy, it's like, this is stupid. I'm not doing it anymore. So I'm finding myself drift away from George Pickens. I'm looking at the injury stuff. um, And also just the, there's some personality issues. 
Um, I love how I love how he is on the field. I love his personality. I love that he's violent. He's mean. He's a bully. I mean, he has that true X number one borderline diva kind of thing. But but that's the thing is how far does it go down that path, and and how much are the Packers going to look at George Pickens being a quote unquote diva and think I just don't want to bring that here. You know, we just had issues with Devontae, which weren't weren't bad. Devontae was not a bad person. He wasn't a diva. But you still, like I talked about, I think yesterday, want to kind of guard against that potentially bubbling up, having that kind of stuff, especially if there's going to be issues with Rodgers, who's obviously going to be very demanding and is very hard on his wide receivers. If you get a true alpha personality in that locker room and he's not going to let anybody talk to him that way, there's going to be conflict. So honestly, that is my biggest question mark with George Pickens more so than anything else is... You know, there's a fine line there, and I just don't know if he crosses it. There was a, a really good article on um, Go Long, Tyler Dunn's thing. Um, somebody, he was a, a scout and, and worked for personnel staff for a couple different teams. But he, he did his homework on Stefan Diggs and, and talking about why he fell as far as he did. And it was ultimately because of that kind of stuff, right? He, he just, he, he didn't take coaching from anybody. He was his own man. And again, I don't think it's as bad with George Pickens, but there's, very light rumblings, and obviously the Packers are very well aware of what specifically the issues are, and we know how the Packers are about really guarding against personality stuff like that. Other teams don't care. You know, you talk about the Rams, you talk about some of these other, like the Raiders, dude, they could not care less. They they go out and headhunt those guys. Maybe not anymore. I don't know exactly what the current leadership is doing, but under Gruden, yeah, dude, he, he wanted to get everybody with an edge, and, and to their credit, there were not a lot of issues. I mean, the Rams and the Raiders both at different times went out and specifically got a bunch of guys with personality flaws, and I didn't hear a single thing about um, that really being an issue. But it can be an issue. So, um, yes, I'm all the way in on George Pickens from a film evaluation standpoint. When I watched all these guys, George Pickens made the most sense for me at wide receiver because he just he fits what I think they need, period. Garrett Wilson, I think, is gone. I also genuinely worry about his size. I, I, I don't know for sure. You know, he doesn't have that true, I'm going to keep using alpha X as a, as a term, because I do think it matters. I mean, you know, Devontae had, and I, I think this way with like DBs and stuff too, it sounds silly, but there's something to swagger. With those positions in particular, there's something to getting in the guy across from you's face and saying, you can't touch me. You know, there's there's such a battle between cornerbacks and wide receivers, and you get guys like Jair, and it's 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 all about that swagger. You know, it almost has like a basketball court kind of feel to it. You know, if you ever watch like White Men Can't Jump and just sort of the banter, it just it just has that kind of a feel to it. It's all ego. And it's important that you have that ego. You need to be the one that dominates. You look at the best corner in the NFL across from you and you you look him dead in the face and say, You can't touch me. And with Garrett and Olave and a lot of these guys, I feel like they're smaller guys that are like, you know, they're not even going to challenge the top corners. They're going to run away from the top corner. I can't even picture Olave running a route, catching a pass, going back in the cornerback's face and just getting right in his face. Like, what? What, punk? Now, I, I, I'm not looking for guys to draw flags on this, but can you, can you envision that? I don't see that. I don't see that at all. I don't see that from Garrett Wilson. I do see it in George Pickens, even more so than Drake London and Traylon Burks, to be honest. Even though Traylon Burks and, and, and Drake London are huge human beings, I just think George Pickens has that sort of mentality to be that guy. You know, when Devontae catches a pass and counts one, two, three, showing that he was guarded by three guys and you still can't touch me, you still can't stop me, that's George Pickens. On top of being a clean route runner, great hands, slick body control, you know what I mean? I mean, 
He's just, he's got the body type. I mean, he just checks all those boxes. And again, as I've said with all these other uh, first round wide receivers, all of them have unchecked boxes, all of them. So George Pickens is, he makes me uncomfortable because he's a second round talent. And it's like, we really should be investing first round talent, you know, just to be sure. It's not really true, but that's kind of how I feel about it. But there's nobody I really feel more comfortable with than George Pickens. Despite the fact that, again, as more people, and it just happened yesterday, there was an explosion of Packers Twitter suddenly discovering George Pickens and falling in love with the guy. I don't know what happened or how that took place. But um, as soon as that happened, it's like, I don't know, man, he's, he's kind of skinny and he's got an attitude and he hurt himself. So he, he probably sucks. <laughs> I'm weird that way. Um, he follows that up at pick 59 with Christian Harris, the linebacker. As I've mentioned, I'm a big Christian Harris fan. Um, I do have my reservations, but the fact that we have Devondre Campbell helps me feel a little bit more comfortable to where you can just take all the upside and minimize the downside. Now, the, the problem is that's not entirely true, right? If you have two linebackers on the field, they cover different areas. So for example, on a run play, you have Devondre's covering these holes and Christian Harris is covering those holes. And if if Christian Harris you know, whiffs on a tackle or gets run over, it's not like Devondre is going to be like, don't worry, I'll get him. No, he's over there covering his own stuff. That's the point of you being on the field. So so there are some reservations, but I, I genuinely really appreciate who he is because he is a modern day linebacker. He is that guy that flies around the field. He's really solid in coverage. He's really fast in his sideline to sideline stuff. He can really do all that stuff, but he also has some just violent hit in him. And that's what I like in a linebacker. I know that the NFL doesn't care as much anymore, but the Green Bay Packers still want to be violent. They still want to be mean. And Christian Harris has an element of that. He, he's, he's, a, he's a rough, violent player. Now, he also, being a smaller guy, I mean, he can come flying in and just kind of not hit you exactly square, and he go bounces off people. That's the consequence of being somewhat smaller. You play fast, you play violent, but you, you hit him a little off center, and you spin off into, out of the stratosphere. You know, cue the music. Blah, 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 right? But then he follows that off, pick 92 with Alec Pierce, which obviously I love. That is Jordy Nelson's uh, little brother. I think it's simil- he's a similar pick to George Pickens for me. I think they're, the, they're similar type of guys. I know, I know Drake London is seen as kind of a, a comp, and I think that's maybe somewhat fair. But I, I just see him as a genuine ex-receiver, which is weird because I, I, I want to talk to, uh, I've been meaning to reach out to Coach Hawn and, and Sam about really kind of understanding the, the wide receiver terminology and all that stuff, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions as far as what all these things actually mean. And I mean that as for myself as well, because when you look at a Drake London, you think, well, of course he's an ex, he's a big body, like, you know, strong guy. And, and, you know, he can, but I, but I also think there's, there's a lot of teams, for example, that have the big guys as sort of their number two option. Just like you can have the speed guy as sort of your number two option. You know, if Devontae was still on the team, would we not be interested in a guy like Drake London? Of course we would. So I, I don't want to just automatically equate if you're big, you're the number one. No, you can be the big jump guy on the other side of the field. Doesn't automatically equate to X in my mind. He then follows that up with Jelani Woods, tight end out of Virginia. And I have not really talked about Jelani Woods. I've, I've had a very strong opinion of Jelani Woods that I've kind of left go. Um, I don't know that I've really mentioned it very much. I haven't brought it up because... I don't really just want to rain on everybody's parade, but I really don't like Jelani Woods. I want to like Jelani Woods, but I see Jelani Woods very similar to how everyone views um, Christian Watson, which is to say, of course he's good. Look at his RAS. But I'll tell you what, I watched Jelani Woods and I wanted to fall in love with that guy. I wanted so bad to just see this like 
seven foot freak flying down the field with just blazing speed. See a guy that looks like Mercedes Lewis, but you know can run like uh, Robert Tunyon. That's not what I saw. I, I I felt like I was watching Mercedes Lewis. I didn't see any shred of speed, and and I know it's hard to judge because it's like tall guys can really glide, but but it just doesn't look like it because they're so tall and lumber. Okay, but I didn't see him run away from a single person. I didn't see a single DB have any problem keeping up with Jelani Woods at all. I didn't see him after the catch get away from anybody. People caught up to him relatively easily and brought him down. So he is just a really tall basketball player that's going to catch things and get hit and probably can plow ahead for, I mean, again, Mercedes Lewis. And and by the way, a lot of people compare him to Mar. I don't even think that's a good comparison. I keep saying Mercedes Lewis just because he's big and slow and can probably bulldoze ahead for a few extra yards because he's strong. But when you talk about Mercedes Lewis, I'm talking about a big, strong guy that's primarily a blocker. I don't know that Jelani Woods is a very good blocker. If you look at where he grades, I have Jelani Woods number six on my tight end big board, primarily because of his receiving ability. He's sixth overall, but as a pass blocker, he's 16th. And as a run blocker, he's 32nd out of, out of uh, 38. He's one of the worst run block, he has one of the worst run block grades of this entire group. But his receiving grade is ninth. So I don't buy the Mercedes Lewis thing where it's like, well, no, he's, he's a really big, strong, elite blocker that can also fly down the field and everything he does is great. No, he's, he's, he's Mercedes Lewis that can't block. So I don't know. I, I, I can maybe go back and watch him again. If you see any, any film or highlights or anything that you like, send it to me. But I fully expected to just be in love with this guy. But also similar to the, the MVS thing where it's like, why is he being drafted so late? A guy that's this big and this athletic and this freaky, he should be a, a, a clear Kyle Pitts first round pick early for like he shouldn't even make it to us in 22 why the heck is he being mocked so late because i don't know how he got the res where it is but this dude i i don't know i just didn't see anything i just didn't um again would i be excited if we got him because of the potential if nothing else he can just be that sort of basketball player that that kind of boxes you out and with his ridiculous range is going to be able to pull some stuff in sure again kind of that mercedes lewis type of guy but just not as good of a blocker as mercedes lewis is but again, when you say it that way, it's like, well, that's not even a good thing. Why do you keep saying that? That sucks. <laughs> but yeah, I um, have kind of kept that opinion close to the vest, but I just, I don't see it. I don't. I understand that it's in there somewhere, but we've already talked about several prospects whose RAS and their, their speed and everything doesn't really line up, usually in the positive, right? Um, Traylon Burks didn't test very well, but we know the dude can fly based on his GPS tracking or whatever that showed his miles per hour being ridiculously high. So there's some confidence that that he can move faster than what it appears he can. Jelani seems to be the opposite to me. He, he's he's great when you take the pads off and, and, you know, put him in a straight line on a for a 40-yard dash. But on the field with the pads on, running around trying to catch passes I with a football in his hands, you know, running upright, I just, I see no movement whatsoever. So, um Again, would I get excited if we drafted him just because he's a freak? Of course. I love freaks. Freaks are great. The, the, the upside potential is through the roof. Same with Christian Watson, who I'm, I'm, every single day that goes by, I'm more and more convinced that guy's going to be a boss. And it start, I've, I've been binging draft podcasts, and um, pretty much all of them are just top five wide receivers, top five wide receivers. Top, I mean, literally 50% of every podcast that I've listened to about the draft is about top five wide receivers. 98% are about top five or top prospects. I think the only podcast I've listened to that went beyond that and actually gave some really good insights that helped me to understand things was the one on this network. <laughs> but 
what it sounds like to me is a lot of the the film guys and the guys that do this professionally generally are out on Christian Watson and it's more of a, a fan creation. Um, he really blew up at the, not just at the combine, but at the, I think the senior bowl or, or I'm not sure which one it was, but um, he ended up doing really well and everybody kind of freaked out about it. And then I think a lot of people started to calm down, but some people haven't calmed down. Um, so I don't, I don't know, but I, it's, I just look at it and I'm like, I just don't, I don't think it's going to be a thing. But I mean, at the same time, if he's a better version of MVS, would we be disappointed in that? No. If we took him at 22, I'd be disappointed at that. But, you know. And then finally, he has Tyson Anderson safety out of Toledo, which you're kind of just taking a shot in the dark here because I haven't really talked about anybody um, this late. But he does check the safety box. Um, Tyson Anderson on my board out of Toledo is 23rd out of 51 safeties. I have a 67.69 grade on him. Um, he's got that elite RAS 947, which as you get later, um, you start to look at those those really high upside attributes and you get excited about it. Um, solid tackler, 7.78 out of 10 as far as his missed tackle rate. Aside from that, he's he grades out relatively average in terms of um, just his grades overall. Um, 69 defensive grade, 66 run defense grade, 68 coverage grade. Um, and then the statistics, especially the coverage statistics are where things get a little bit rough. His forced incompletion grade is a 2.46. His, um, passer rating grade, which his passer rating is 114. It was a 3.52. It's one of the lower, uh, of all the safeties, um, snaps per target. His grade is, uh, where are we at here? 2.95 and his grade as far as snaps per reception, 2.04. Now, um, a lot of that stuff is subject to change because I did notice a pretty major flaw in my grading system, which I've been working with some people to try to get figured out. There is a big issue with outlier statistics. By the way, if we have any big uh, Excel or math nerds, I'm going to run through the problem so that you can hit me up with the solution. But for example, if a player has a five yards per carry, a running back is five yards per carry average, that's obviously pretty solid. And he's, he's, he has a, an above average uh, statistic than most people. If, if you had to put a number on it just as a guess, you'd probably say that's at least an 8 out of 10, right? But what if you've got some outliers, and it's it's not enough of an outlier to where you can't count it, but you have some people that are at 10, 11, 12. So let's just say that the scale then has to be out of 10. Well, that would give our guy who got 5 yards per carry a 5 out of 10. That's not a correct representation of what 5 yards per carry should be. So in other words, it's not linear. So the grading scale on some of these should not be linear. In fact, maybe none of these should necessarily be linear. It's just a matter of some of them being more than others. And so I have to figure out how to solve for that to kind of make this a little bit more accurate. But generally speaking, it's still low in comparison to everybody else. So, um, But despite that, again, he does rank relatively high. So I don't hate it, but um, it's a good start to the whole, the whole kicking this thing off. Man, we are already 26 minutes in. This is crazy. We're going to have to take a break pretty soon. Um, but I'm just going to go in order. And the very top of the list here, we have uh, JJ saying, left one is the one you'll love, guaranteed Super Bowl. And he just picked every single Ohio State guy, which took me a minute to realize that's what he did. He got Garrett Wilson and then Chris Olave at 11 and 22, which, again, I didn't quite pick up on it at first. I'm like, dang, this is I'm, I'm, I'm confused because I know you're being sarcastic, but Am I supposed to not like that? And then Nicholas Petit Frere, Jeremy Rucker, Tyreek Smith. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Because 
he kind of makes a decent case here for this being a, an automatic Super Bowl, even though he's being kind of ridiculous. And then the one on the right is the one that I'm supposed to hate. Um, Devin Lloyd at 22. Again, I, I, it's one thing where it's like I could get myself excited and he must be just an otherworldly prospect because the Packers generally wouldn't do this. Even with you know four picks in the first two rounds, this seems incredibly unlikely to take a, a guy here. So I'd, I would talk myself into it. And then he follows it up at pick 28 with Sean Ryan, interior offensive line, which again, and this is, this is great practice for um, draft night because I've told myself I'm not going to be disappointed. I'm going to be excited and I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to work through this. But that's going to be one of those, you've got to be kidding me. All right, all right. Take a few deep breaths. Think it through. Elite offensive lineman, right? We're going to be okay. Great linebackers, like that's that's not a bad thing, right? That's a good thing. There are good teams with great linebackers and stuff. Follows it up at pick 53 with Kenneth Walker, who again, I really do like, but he's really hammering just positional, not, you know, positions of non-importance. I think running back is a relative, it, it is a need on the team. It's just not an urgent need. It's not a primary position, and it's not even a 2022 need. We may need another running back as early as next year. But especially considering we just got a linebacker and then a guard, it's like, oh, come on, man. Follows it up with Calvin Austin, who is a um, five foot eight, 170-pound wide receiver, which, you know, no thank you. Then he's got Sam Williams, edge, Bo Melton, wide receiver, Kobe Bryant, cornerback, uh, Lasita Smith, interior offensive line, Myron Tagovailoa, Amosa, edge rusher, and Trey Turner at wide receiver. So we ended up with three wide receivers starting at pick 59. Bo Melton, 5'11", 189, another relatively small guy. And then Trey Turner in the seventh round out of Virginia Tech, 6'2", 190. So taller, but still sub-200. So three relatively small wide receivers. In the first two rounds, we ended up with one of those small receivers, a guard, a linebacker, and a running back. So yeah, that that would be painful. This would rival the the Jordan Love, A.J. Dillon, um, Josiah DeGuara, Kamal Martin draft, which to me was just, I'm, I'm trying to like this, but I am so miserable right now. <laughs> the good thing is he picked a lot of guys that the Packers wouldn't like. You know, that year the Packers got a bunch of guys that fit what they like and what they want to do. I just wasn't on board. This is stuff that the Packers wouldn't be on board with. So I feel safe that nothing like this would ever happen. Uh, Goose jumped in with a mock at 22, getting Trevor Penning. Obviously, again, I would love that. At 28, he gets George Pickens, so getting, you know, back-to-back again, sort of the same guys. Then he gets Trey McBride at 53. Um, I I do like Trey McBride. I do. I, I You know, the only thing that scares me is there's a part of me that thinks he reminds me of Cole Komet. <laughs> and I, I really wasn't big on Cole Komet, but it's a, a bigger guy, 6'5", 262, Cole Komet is, with pretty decent speed, 4'7 speed. I think uh, Trey McBride is faster than that. But there's just something about when I watch him. You know what I mean? I watch him and he just reminds me of Cole Komet. I, I don't know why. I think part, part of me knows that Trey McBride is a good receiver and a good blocker. And so when I watch him run and he reminds me of Cole Komet when he runs, it's like, this guy's going to be Cole. And, it, and they're both expected to be kind of early-ish, mid-ish, second-round picks. Now, Trey McBride is a little smaller, 6'3", 246, and... and a decent amount faster, four five six compared to four seven. So really, they're not the same. But it just, it just, it's the only thing that kind of holds me back as far as my potential excitement. But really, he is a smaller, faster, more modern style of tight end. That again is actually a really plus blocker. So I like it. I don't, I don't think too many Packer fans would be on board with it. But I, I really think, and somebody had asked this question again. It wasn't 
geared toward me, but I'm going to answer it anyways. The the fact that tight end is is really, really, really important. And um, I think it might have been phrased in terms of, is it more important than wide receiver? Um, I don't necessarily know I would take it that far, but if you gauge the importance between wide receiver and tight end and the um, the hype from fans and the media in terms of the importance of wide receiver compared to the importance of tight end, there is a massive discrepancy. I would say tight end is nearly as important as wide receiver. We lack talent there in a very serious way. And, and maybe part of that is Packer fans being more excited about Mercedes Lewis and um, Robert Tunyon and maybe a little bit Josiah Aguara, but probably not than I am. Mercedes Lewis, I think I'm not as big of a fan as everybody else. I, I like the guy a lot, but also he's he's maybe, what, got one more year here? And Tunyon is, I mean, there's a reason he's not getting $10 million a year, right? He's just not able to produce, and the injuries and other stuff, and it's just, it's not great. But then factor in, like, what the how important tight end is to the Packers in particular. You know, and again, a lot of these teams that lack wide receivers, what do they have? They have elite tight ends. I mentioned Baltimore. I mentioned, um, you know, Kansas City. I mean, they, they've had Tyreek for a while, but, the, you know, the, Travis Kelsey is sort of the unheralded guy out there. He, he does some serious damage. You look at the 49ers before they had Debo. They, they didn't have an elite wide receiver room, but they had Kittle. And these, these teams that have just dominant tight ends tend to dominate. It's such an unbelievable mismatch. I mean, look at what the Packers had to do when they went up against... Um, Baltimore and some of these other teams. I mean, we just get crucified. I mean, it's like, what, what do we do? We put, we decide, our game plan was to put Savage on the guy, and that was just a disaster. Savage couldn't cover him. You know, we certainly don't want to put our linebackers on him. That's not going to help. So, I mean, if there's an opportunity to get an elite tight end, um, I think we should be doing backflips. And I, I just, I feel like Packer fans, if we draft the tight end in the second, they're just kind of like, mm, I don't know. Just wait until like the fourth round or fifth round or whatever, get Jelani Woods. That's fine. Whenever that guy's going to end up going. I don't know, man. I, I, I think, um, I think we should care a lot more about tight end and a lot less about wide receiver. Not that a wide receiver isn't important. I'm just saying, as far as the hype to reality thing, that there should be a massive adjustment with those two things. If we have the opportunity, and, and again, I know this isn't a loaded tight end class, but I, I think we overstate how loaded it is at uh, wide receiver. Again, there, there is no premier talent at wide receiver, in my opinion. There just isn't. Garrett Wilson is the closest thing to it, and I just, I don't know. There is no Jamar Chase in this class. And again, if the Packers, you know, if, if they're able to build this team out to where, let's just say they do get a big hit at tight end. And, and by the way, in terms of free agency, and I, I wonder if the tight end market is as hot. Because if, if there was an opportunity to give up some draft capital and some money for a position to, to massively upgrade, and, and there's not a lot of elite tight ends out there, so I doubt that you can really find anyone. But man, if we just had a stud at tight end, and you've got a team with a, a bolstered offensive line, and upgrading the tight end position, which is in a sense similar to bolstering your offensive line, but also adding to this room and, and to your receiving core. It also takes a ton of pressure off a wide receiver. It just does, because you don't need those elite guys. I mean, you can go out and get a, you know, with your second, second round pick, get a wide receiver. And then you've got, for example, Alec Pierce on one side. You've got Alan Lazard on the other side. You've got Randall Cobb and Amari, who hopefully takes a step playing in the slot role. And then at, at your core, what you are, I mean, essentially we would be the Raiders. Not necessarily today, but you go back a couple of years when they were, they were actually doing quite well. Not, not, not necessarily as a team, but the offense really was efficient at taking people out because what they were was a team that lined up with, uh, you know, just 
giant big boy packages. They ran the ball incredibly well with a talented offensive line and an elite running back. And then they had one of the best tight ends in football. And so it just became this thing where it was like teams didn't know what to do because it was run, 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 throw it to the tight end, run, 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 throw it to the tight end. And it was just killing people because you have to dedicate so much energy to beat this offensive line and stop this just incredible running back. And then you'd have the, the, the tight end who's been just killing you as a blocker all day long, who chips you and bo- about knocks you on the ground and then takes off running. You got to get your balance and turn around and be like, no, not again. And this dude rips off 20 yards like it's nothing. And it's like, how do you keep falling for that? It's like, what am I supposed to do? If I don't give 110% trying to stop the run, he, we're going to get killed in the run. But if I give 100% in the run, this guy's going to slip out behind me and I can't stop him. So... The point is, if Trey McBride can be that guy, and I don't know why he can't, because again, he's proven to be a good blocker. Now, maybe it's it's a you know slight lack of competition, Colorado State, but he's he's got the he's got the speed, he's got decent size. I mean, I think I just I don't know. Do I expect it to happen? No, but it's another one of those things where if the Packers invest in this guy in the second round, they think he can be that guy. So I don't expect it, but I would get excited about it. Again, rambling. After that, he ends up taking Alec Pierce. So at this point, we've just completely loaded up the offense. We've gone four offensive picks in a row. Trevor Penning is going to be our offensive tackle. So we have got some elite offensive linemen. Trevor Penning is the the picture-perfect picture of what we want at right tackle. He's got the athleticism to handle what we do, but he has just got this mean streak in him. He is a violent just bully. I mean, this is Brian Balaga, right? He He's athletic enough to be able to do what we ask him to do, but most of all, he is a violent, mean block-headed Midwestern farm boy that's just going to rip your face right off. We've got uh, David Bakhtiari over at left tackle. We've got um, a Pro Bowl guard coming back. We've got our center going into his second year. And then, uh, you know, we, we've got to kind of mix and match and figure out what the best option is. But we've got just a dominant offensive line with Trey McBride being added to this group who's going to help us with his blocking, but also is just going to be hopefully a really solid weapon on top of adding George Pickens and Alec Pierce to our group already. Then he adds Brian Cook out of Cincinnati, who is a guy that I mentioned yesterday, which gets confused. I think sometimes I mentioned, and I noticed this a few times, I mentioned Curtis Brooks and everybody started mocking Brian Cook out of Cincinnati. But then I did talk about Brian Cook out of Cincinnati, I think yesterday anyway, so it's fine. Um, Brian Cook is that guy on my board that is like, he's just misplaced up near the top. Again, we've got Daxon Hill, Jalen Petrie, Kyle Hamilton, Jaquan Brisker, Lewis Seen, not necessarily in that order. In fact, that's the exact opposite order. But those are the top guy on my guys on my board and the top guys on everybody's board. But there's one guy that's just mixed in the middle of this, and that's Brian Cook out of Cincinnati. And again, I and I don't even have his RAS. I wonder if that's been updated yet. It has not. He may have some kind of an injury or something. I, I'll, I'll look into that. In fact, it's a good resource to have up anyway, so I might as well pull it up. Yeah, he has a left shoulder injury, so he did not work out for that reason. I, I honestly think, because if you look at it, it's like, well, okay, so he, he apparently grades out very well. He's playing for a big program, especially a program that was renowned for their defense. Why is nobody talking about Brian Cook? If you look at his background, he's kind of a nobody that came out of nowhere. If you just look at at the years that he played, 2017, he was at Howard, second team all MEAC, led the team in pass deflections and interceptions, 2018 um, played for Howard, had a 41-yard interception for a touchdown. Then in 2019, he goes to Cincinnati. He sat out the first 13 games due to the transfer rules, but was eligible for the bowl game. 2020, um, he started in the bowl game. That's about it. He didn't do very much that season. And then 2021, Cincinnati, 
first team all AAC. So he kind of just had his big, um, his big, his only big year was 2021. I mean, he played 10 games in 2020, but he wasn't a starter. He was only a starter in, in one game, and that was the bowl game. All right, so he was a starter for Howard. 2019, he transfers to Cincinnati, played one game, didn't start. 2020, played 10 games, only started one. 2021, played 14 games, started all 14 games, and he was first team all AAC. He was a uh, no-star recruit. Colleges really didn't want anything to do with him, hence the reason he went to Howard and had to transfer. He played quarterback when he was you know, younger, before kind of moving on to wide receiver slash cornerback in high school. And so I, th- I think he's just kind of an overlooked guy. He's probably somewhat of a quote-unquote try-hard. You know what I mean? I mean, he, he, he didn't... The only offers he got was out of Howard. So there, there's probably not this elite athleticism. It's just a guy that just plays football really well. And then he got invited to the Senior Bowl, but had to sit out because of his shoulder injury. So it's just like, you know, the guy's basically played one year, and he had a good year, but he's hurt, so we can't really see him. And so it's just kind of a... I, I, I think... Everything I'm looking at is if you take a snapshot of what he did in 2021, he is an elite prospect. But there's just so many questions. Is the reason he's not really being hyped as much? That's that's my assessment of Brian Cook, and I think there may be somewhat of a um, an aspect of a low ceiling. Um, he he goes on with Amari Barno out of uh, Virginia Tech, edge rusher, Chasen Hines, interior offensive line, Charlie Kohler, tight end, Josh Thompson, cornerback, Noah Ellis, defensive line, and then Curtis Brooks, defensive lineman out of Cincinnati. So um, it's going to be hard to beat this one. Again, we're, we're clearly not going to get through all these. We're already 40-some minutes. I feel like I just started. we got to take a break, so it'll be a, somewhat of a long episode. But um, yeah, I mean, th- this one's pretty tough to beat. Um, even slipping Trey McBride in there, which is something I haven't really hammered on enough, how much I really feel like we need to emphasize tight end more than than people seem to feel like we do, I guess. I just remembered I'm making ribs today and I got so excited. It just dawned on me, like I got my new grill and I haven't done something really cool with it. And it's like, I don't want to do ribs because they're kind of expensive and it's not great for the diet. They're pretty fatty and, and whatnot. I'm like, you know what? I'm doing this, man. I've been good. It's not a terrible thing. You know, I'll, I'll take it easy today. And I'm just going to, I'm doing it all, just smoking it on the Weber today. It's going to be a great day. I'm just going to take my time. I'm going to do it right. And it's going to be great. But anyways, uh, Goose, I think, is probably in the lead at this point. Um, had some really solid ones, but but again, slipping Trey in there, getting both Alec Pierce and Curtis Brooks in on this, getting a second tight end with Charlie Kohler. Um, we've got George Pickens and Alec Pierce at wide receiver, which I think is solid. Some people would probably say we should get a third, but I think I'm good with it. Offensive line, Trevor Penning, and then Chase and Hines, interior offensive line. Um, we've got uh, defensive line, we kind of waited a little long on that, which would be maybe the only complaint, but you can't do a seven-round mock and hit everything and, and do it early. But uh, Amari Barno, edge rusher, and then Noah Ellis and Curtis Brooks, defensive tackle, um, and then just throwing in Josh Thompson's cornerback out of uh, out of Texas on top of it. So big fan of that one. We do have to take a break, though. Do me a big favor and remember to check out the uh, GoFundMes that we've got going on. Uh, there's one pinned to the top of my Twitter. Again, if you can't donate, please go retweet that. Uh, We've also got the Jamie and Carter Accident Fund. Getting real close to finishing these guys out. If you could just consider giving a couple bucks, that would be fantastic. Again, if not, if you could just do me a favor and share it, that would be great. Also, please don't forget about A Modern Frontier. It's a great place to go get your meat. See, now I'm I'm tempted to get get the pork because ribs and uh, what do we got? We We get a shoulder roast, get the ham, get a bunch of pork chops, four packs of nine to 12 ounce pork chops, two packs of the six to eight ounce pork chops, two one pound packages of bacon, one 12 ounce spare rib, 
three pounds of breakfast sausage, three pounds of breakfast links, three pounds of brats, four pounds of ground pork. That's tempting. I don't know. But please remember to go check them out. See if uh, see if that works for you and what you're looking to get with all your meat needs. Remember to use promo code MEATPACKER. That's one word, all caps, and you'll have a um, $25 off your order, and it will be delivered straight to your door. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back, and I'm I'm gonna be, for the sake of time, I'm gonna skip Goose's second one here, where I think he's basically just trying to do the worst. Um, Andrew Booth, Brees Hall, John Mechie, Petit Frere, uh, Pascal, Jalen Widermeyer. I mean, it's 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 terrible. So well done, Goose. Um, next up, we got Kyle. Kyle kicks it off with uh, pick twenty-two, Chris Olave. Um, again, a lot of people are gonna say he's not gonna be there. I think there's a chance he's there. Um, I think we overvalue the guys that we like a lot. I mean, he, he could easily be gone, you know, by pick 15, but he, I think he could also very much be there. It really just depends on preference. Cause again, Chris Olave is not necessarily the hundred um, percent lock can't miss wide receiver prospect. In fact, I think what a lot of people assume from Chris Olave is that he's a really, really good sort of number two wide receiver, which is great, except that's not exactly what the Packers are looking for. Not that you can't use them. Not that he can't still win, but I think that's that's 
um, I forget which episode or show I was listening to, but they were like, he, he is a Calvin Ridley, Emmanuel Sanders guy, a really solid number two wide receiver. Follows that up with a Jabo. Um, I've been struggling with a Jabo. And, and to be honest, I just went back and watched Christian Watson because my son came down. Um, and well, we decided that tomorrow I'm going to do an interview with him. So that'll be kind of fun. But he wanted to kind of go through some of his guys again. So we watch. I kind of, I don't know, man. It's one of those things where when I don't watch people for a long time, you kind of allow the narratives to get inside your brain and you run with it. And then I watch them and it's like, I don't know, dude. It doesn't really feel like he's just beating, you know, for example, they had this one pass that was massively underthrown. He comes back and catches it and just strong arms. it, And it's like, that has nothing to do with competition. You know, when you're talking 50-50 ball and the DB's hands are on the ball and you still are the one that comes down with it, that has nothing to do with competition. You know, I mean, it's one thing if you're fast and you run away from guys that can't keep up because they're slow, but when you have a quarterback underthrowing balls to such a degree that you have to come back and fight and win for him, and plus, I mean, his speed is evident, his body control is there, he's got good hands, it's like, I don't know, dude, I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm back on the train a little bit. The stuff that he does out of the backfield is impressive, he fits what the pack, I don't know, I, I, I dig it. But again, that's, that's my son's favorite, so we started off with that guy, and I shouldn't, you know, shouldn't give you all the, the spoilers for tomorrow, but I already told you that. But Ajabo's another guy where it's like, I, I'm, I'm okay with him. I was fine with Ajabo. And I think now, especially since we're talking about, I mean, he was a guy that was supposed to be gone by like 12. And now the fact that they're talking maybe second round, I, I should be more excited. I may have to go back and watch, but it's just a name that keeps coming up that I'm like, eh, I don't know. Same with Mafe. I, I, every time I see Mafe get picked by the Packers, for some reason, I just have this natural reaction that's like, eh. And I don't know why. I have nothing against Ajabo or Mafe. And, and Ajabo, the big issue is the injury. And really, I mean, this should be, and he follows it up with George Pickens in the second round, this should be an elite first three picks. Olave and Pickens, because Pickens solves that issue that I talked about with Chris Olave being the number two. And this is kind of one of the questions I had is, can your number two be your number one? <laughs> I don't know exactly how that works. Because number one and two in terms of function is not necessarily one and two in terms of, of talent. I guess is kind of the point that I'm, I'm driving at. But either way, you have both. You have two guys that are talented, two guys that, that serve their respective roles. And then um, it's, I think it's just a fantastic pairing. I mean, and, and in terms of just hitting on what the Packers need, and I think that's my issue. If you're talking Chris Olave, I want a George Pickens. And that could be George Pickens, that could be Alec Pierce, that could be uh, you know a couple different guys. But I just want somebody that serves the function of being more of an X receiver. Because I don't know if that's where Chris Olave thrives. So I dig that. And then again, David Ajabo, regardless of the um, feeling on him in particular, which again, I don't even honestly remember what my assessment was, but you get that premier edge rusher to help out. I mean, that's that's a clutch pick. He follows that up with uh, Brian Asamoa. I personally have not watched him yet. Um, I have him 15th on my big board. So according to my board, he's not my favorite, but I haven't done my own personal assessment of him. Next up is Nick Cross, safety. That's a very, very, very popular pick among Packers fans, I've noticed. And I, I, I don't know why, but I, I think I know why. I once heard Nick Cross described as Darnell Savage, but faster. I think most Packer fans still like Darnell Savage, despite his, his struggles. And when you describe a guy out of the same school as Darnell Savage, but a little bit faster, maybe a little bit better, I don't know if people say that, but they definitely say faster, it's going to get Packer fans a little bit excited. Um, I have Cross 16th on my big board. By the way, Darnell Savage, I had 6th. So in terms of better, at least the way I have things set up, definitely not. But then he has Grant Calcaterra or Calcaterra, Calcaterra, I don't know. Uh, tight end out of SMU. I have him 15th on my board, one spot below Ruckert, one spot above Co Keeft. 
who is somebody you've never heard of that I have really high on my board based on where his rank is. But, um, you know, Calcaterra, 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 whatever, another sort of high RAS guy that doesn't necessarily dominate anywhere. He's kind of just average across the board, I think, is what carries him because he's not really good necessarily anywhere. I think one of the most, um, one of the highest grades he has on here would be his pass blocking grade. 65 receiving, 48 run blocking. Um, as far as his grades with stats, uh, he got a 5 in yards per reception, a 2.6 in yards after the catch, 4.3 yards per route run, um, 7.9 as far as his drops, which is solid, but 4.2 in contested catch rate, a 1.9 in missed tackles forced. And then his 85.8 pass rating when targeted is a 5.8, which is one of the lower ones on here. Um, Zach Tom at tackle, which is going to kind of highlight sort of the biggest weakness of this draft, which is a lack of offensive line, which if you're trying to get in my good graces, give me a good offensive line. I think that needs to be a criteria for my favorite mock is I need to look at this and say I'm excited about our offensive line. Um, I'm excited about the draft class, especially the Olave-Pickens combo. Um, I'm, I'm... I like the upward potential of Ajabo, um, Asamoa, Nick Cross. Um, but I think if there's a weakness here, again, it's... And, and you might even say defensive line, because although we did get Ajabo, we didn't get anyone but DJ Dale in the seventh round. So I think the biggest thing for me in terms of why we lose in the postseason is the trenches, and I think that was the one area that was kind of neglected. Again, you cannot do a seven-round mock and hit everything. So there's going to be something at the end of the seven-round mock where something was neglected. And if you hammer offensive line and defensive line, you're probably neglecting wide receiver and you're going to get crucified by Packers fans. Uh, Pedro did one. He says, I'm pretty sure you're going to hate this one, but I'll admit it was a fun, it was fun making it. So he's got Trent McDuffie, who apparently is going to be our slot corner at seven. Oh, oh my goodness. You traded up for him. Then he gets Perry and Winfrey at 53, which is his next remaining pick. Um, I'm feeling sick. Pick 59, he gets Justin Ross, which is a guy that was super hyped up at first and then fell from grace. And then he follows that up with David Bell, very similar, very hyped up guy that fell from grace, kind of for the same reasons, I think. The testing was really bad, and it's kind of a, you know, you take the upside in the film, and then you look at the testing and the recent production for Justin Ross, and it's, it's just not there again. Calcaterra, again, who is a tight end that I'm super not fond of. Doesn't hit tackle until um, the fourth round, and he gets Chris Paul out of Tulsa. Follows it up with quarterback Skylar Thompson. Again, edge rusher Myron Tagovailoa Amosa. Where does he rank on my board? I feel like that's a name that I'm familiar with. Probably just because of his name. He's literally the fourth lowest on my entire board out of 46 pass rushers. So great job of of getting terrible players. Punter Ryan Stonehouse. You're actually going to see, I'm one of the few people that's like, go ahead and draft one. Now, maybe he's terrible. I don't know, but that's I'm not going to hate that as much. And a seventh-round running back. So I think the last two picks I kind of like. The question is, where does Goodson rank? Again, I left my I don't have my halfback rankings, so I can't speak to that. But I will say, you did a great job of coming up with a terrible mock draft. But then he says, but this one I think you're going to like. So let's see what we've got. He's done some trading around. He does trade up a little bit for Trevor Penning, gives up... Um, what the heck did you... Oh, I see. Pick uh, 22 and a fifth-round pick to get up to um, pick 19 to get Trevor Penning, which I'm fine with. And I also like it because although it's possible he falls, it also just adds an element of realism because I think if he makes it to 19, the Packers are doing everything they can to get up. So I dig that. Um, Traded out of the next pick in order to... So let's see. We received an additional second-round pick to move back to pick 31. Um, 
and we gave up a 2023 third in order to secure that. So we've given up a fifth and gotten back a second and so far end up with Trevor Penning and George Pickens. So massively in love with this so far. Follows that up with Drake Jackson. Um, I don't know that I have, I know I watched Drake Jackson. I don't recall my personal, I got to start, I'm going to go through with my son again today and we're going to hammer some prospects because that's what we're talking about tomorrow. Um, but I'm also going to put my notes and his notes on these prospects. Uh, Drake Jackson, I have down at 17 on this list. So I, I got a docky on that, although I will follow back up. Follows that up with Alec Pierce as our second pick. And by the way, I apologize if I told you I really like Drake Jackson, and that's why you did that pick. I just don't remember. You guys know I like Alec Pierce, so that's that's automatically solid. Another trade, trading back in the third out of pick 67. Sorry, I keep looking at this in reverse. We're giving up pick 59. I was so confused. Like, what happened to our third, second round pick? We're giving that up, and we're getting in return round three, pick 67, and round four, pick 112. He traded back again, gave up 67, as well as a round seven and uh, round six, 2024, to pick up a, uh, a different third, as well as an additional fourth round pick. So we're just accumulating a bunch of picks, which, again, I like. That was my whole thing, is more swings is better. Trading back tends to be better. And as long as we end up with good prospects, it's fine. So finally, with the third round pick, he picks Nick Cross, which again, we've already talked about. Follows that up with pick 99, our additional third round pick with Neil Farrell Jr., defensive tackle out of LSU. It's a guy we have not talked about. I will definitely have to check him out, but I've got Neil Farrell at 13th um, on this here big board. So six foot four, 330 pounds at the combine. He was almost 340 at his pro day. Dude, he must have cut weight for his combine and then just put, <laughs> then just let himself go at the pro day or something. I don't know. But nine pound difference at the pro day. Um, as far as his 40, he ran 40s at both. We got exactly four, five, one at both. Um, his best 20 yard split, 301, 10 yard, 186. His vert, 21 and a half. Uh, short shuttle at his pro day was 505. Three cone at the combine, 841 and then 18-inch uh, bench, or 18 reps on the bench at his pro day. But overall, he had an RAS of uh, a 1.41. So clearly just a straight-up nose tackle, right? We didn't hit on the, the first big 330-pound guy, so we got the next best 330-pound guy. Um, got a note here that says, at worst, he should be a rotational nose tackle in the NFL with potential to be more which is pretty much what you say about every 330-pound defensive tackle. Then he gets Jelani Woods, which again, I've had my reservations, but we've got three fourth-round picks here, which is awesome. Um, And again, the upside with Jelani is higher than anybody else by far, but it's just a matter of I don't know that he meets that potential. Hassan Haskins, halfback out of uh, Michigan, he ends up with. And then his third fourth-round pick, Jack Sanborn, linebacker out of Wisconsin. I actually have him 16th on my list. So again, the the uh, Wisconsin guys are, are kind of underrated according to what I've got here. Um, similar to uh, Leo Chanel, very, very good run defender. 85 overall grade as a run defender, which is pretty solid. 88 overall defensive grade. Um, 729 RAS is not certainly not elite. And that's one of his, one of the lower ones as far as the guys that are above him, but still relatively athletic. Um, in the fifth round, he ends up with Tyquan Thornton, which is awesome because, again, we've got George Pickens and we've got Alec Pierce, and then we add our speed guy, which is still needed at that point. Although Alec, uh, Alec Pierce does have speed, you add the true, like just one of the true elite speed guys that that is going to strike fear into defenses. Sixth round, Brad Hawkins at safety out of Michigan. Um, and we have three sixth round picks. Dejan Dixon, another wide receiver out of Nichols State. 
I've got him ranked 39th out of 67, but um, six foot two, uh, 205, 462, 40 time. So obviously the concern is the 40 time, but straight up just built like a wide receiver, right? 6'2", 200 pounds. Another guy that's, I mean, it's just, at this point we're adding depth, which is great. I mean, we, we've got the guys that we already have. We've got the guys that we like with their upside. We've got our speed guy, and now we're just packing on some depth, which is one of the perks of, like I said, you can't do everything, but when you keep trading back and get a bunch of picks, you can do a lot of stuff. Um, then he adds guard Chasen Hines, which I think is the second time we've had him added. Uh, again, I don't have my list. Alex Wright, edge rusher, just getting some additional love on that one. And then center Nick Ford out of Utah is the final pick in the seventh round. So um, as far as the positives, obviously, again, tons of wide receiver up end and depth. Um, as far as the trenches, offensive line, again, Trevor Penning, and then follows it up with a guard. And then center Nick Ford, who I would assume is going to be either center center depth, hopefully possibly some guard depth. So you feel relatively good about that because, again, the only real question mark we have on the offensive line is um, the right guard competition and then depth. And I think we've, we've got that. We added some competition as well as some depth to our group. Um, defensive help, we added Drake Jackson, Neil Farrell, who's going to be the 330-pound uh, nose tackle, as well as edge rusher Nick, uh, Alex Wright. Um, I think we still need a little bit more defensive tackle depth, although we did add Jerron Reed. So you assume that he's going to be kind of a high snap count guy. So we're kind of just looking for depth. And then you got the rotational guy. And so I, I guess maybe you could say we're pretty set there. Um, safeties, we got Nick Cross again, who adds that sort of third safety on top of Brad Hawkins. So now we've got some depth and we've got some options for replacements. Uh, linebacker, we ended up with the Jack Sanborn out of Wisconsin which I think is fine because, again, it's it's not a position that's going to get a ton of snaps. We've got guys that are already there, and so we're kind of looking at improving sort of that number two guy. Um, we added a running back, I think just the one, right? Yep. So, I mean, y- you could easily nitpick it as far as, you know, where you put your upper end talent. And, and I mean, if you just assume from basically the fifth round on, you're probably not getting a massive amount of contribution, but... Um, it's about as good as you can get in terms of just really packing on. And again, this is why trading back just makes sense. Because yeah, some of these guys are going to kind of bust out and you miss some of the... But but even if you trade up, guys are going to bust. I mean, you could trade up for Trevor Penning and he ends up being a bust. Who knows? So again, I love the the idea of just taking a bunch of swings and see what sticks. Because you know, again, we're talking about three wide receivers. We're talking about two safeties. We're talking about... Um, you know, three guys along the defensive line, including two edge rushers and a defensive tackle. You're adding in a linebacker, a running back, um, and three offensive linemen. Of course, a lot of this isn't going to stick, but you got better chances of it sticking now. So um, I'm going to end it on that one. We we can kind of run through. We got a bunch more. We've got uh, Kyle gave me one. Joe gave me one. Adam gave me one. Robert Craig gave me two. Chris gave me one. Uh, what's the pack? Uh, Hayes, do you rant? Loved this one, says Blake's dad. So, I mean, we're not even close to halfway through this, but maybe we'll we'll kind of continue this, maybe do a couple a day or whatever. So if you want to throw some onto this, we can. Um, I'm going to have to put this in my bookmark so I don't forget it, or, or not forget it, but lose it. But um, we kind of knew that this would happen, right? I would get through about four or five of these things and uh, we'd run out of time. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep running through it because again, it gives me some opportunities to, um, to talk about some other guys. 
and maybe what we'll do, since we know that this is going to be multiple days, we'll just do one or two and really, really go in depth on some of these prospects and, and what they do and don't do. But anyways, I am going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Saturday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>